RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Oh, it is here and we are thrilled. We are fired up to have March, to have the mayhem, to have the madness and everything that is about to unfold. It is championship week as part of Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat capable host. He is senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com, Mr. Kevin Rogers. Thank you for finding us wherever you have here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Whether you found us on Three Dog Thursday's uh, web partner here, uh, found us through RadioInfluence.com, or if you subscribe, uh, if you don't know about this, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, search Three Dog Thursday. The show comes automatically to you. And Kevin Rogers, welcome. I know we're fired up for what is about to take place here in March for sure. Yeah, it's always an exciting week, uh, conference tournament week. I understand that people look forward to the big dance, but uh, you know, this week it's just so crazy because you have games every day and you have games starting thursday pretty much in all these conferences from noon till 10 o'clock at night so it really is exciting and uh just you you never know what can happen you know we've already seen one huge upset with gonzaga getting knocked off so who knows if someone else can come through and run the table in one of these tournaments no doubt all right so here's what we've got on on the slate on the table we're gonna have a jam-packed show kevin and i are gonna be making some predictions i'll explain that in a little bit tom penders will be here the ex-coach of the texas longhorns who had them in the ncaa tournament over and over and over again had an elite eight appearance in 1990 a sweet 16 appearance in 1997 also in the ncaa tournament previously with rhode island and george washington most recently, Kevin, his team won the Conference USA Tournament uh, back in 2010, winning, and he'll explain this, four games in four days to get the automatic bid, played their way in. So the NCAA Tournament with four different programs for Tom Pender. So I'm anxious to uh, pick his brain uh, about this process, about championship week and cutting the nets down, also his number one seeds, and I'll have him give me a team or two to watch and watch out for. So a uh, standby for that coming up here on the program. Also, I, uh, Kevin, I'm fresh off working uh, a midweek uh, NCAA tournament automatic bid a conference with the Horizon League, the championship game, Motor City Madness, won by Northern Kentucky over Wright State on Tuesday night. Broadcasted that game live on TuneIn as the Northern Kentucky Norse the Vikings, the Norsemen, the Norse of Northern Kentucky and the Black and Gold are back in the NCAA tournament for the second time in three years. They were tremendously impressive for the two nights that I saw them in Detroit. Um, they had a last-second win on a three-point shot by their best player, Drew McDonald, the player of the year in the Horizon League. They then wipe out Wright State, the one seed in the title game. We'll hear from their coach, Kevin Rogers, John Brannon, former Alabama assistant. He's been at Northern Kentucky now for four years. They've been in the NCAA tournament twice. And so we'll hear from him later on as part of Three Dog Thursday. We'll play you that interview. That and a lot more on the show. Uh, You just touched on something, though. Gonzaga, at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday, beaten in the West Coast Conference Tournament championship game by St. Mary's. Give me a comment or two about St. Mary's pulling off an upset against a Gonzaga team that had been rolling, hadn't lost a game since all the way back in December, Kevin. 
Yeah, it's a great win for them, and Gonzaga has obviously, you know, had a had a stranglehold on this conference for so many years, winning the conference tournament, winning the regular season championship, and it just always felt like it was Gonzaga and everybody else. I mean, St. Mary's was always you know, kind of like the second team in that conference, but uh, I think somebody put out there on social media that Gonzaga had just beaten St. Mary's by 48, and then St. Mary's holds them by 47. Incredible in this, uh, championship game, yeah, and, and and St. Mary's. I don't really know, you know, if they were truly a bubble team or not, but obviously they're in now. But uh, you know, they obviously steal a bid from someone. So obviously, whoever you know uh, was a bubble team is really upset with St. Mary's right now. But that just makes <laughs> a lot more fun. And, and you know, I don't know about if Gonzaga being a number one overall right now. That's a really, I mean. If you were if the way you, they lost. sure if you were in that committee room right now and we're not but if you were w- would you be speaking up that that shouldn't cost Gonzaga a one seed losing at the very end in the final game the conference tournament title game or would you be advocating it should because it's the West Coast Conference it's not the same as the ACC the Big Ten the Big Twelve and the Power Conferences that that have the tougher schedules what would you be advocating about Gonzaga and one seed at this point if it was up to you to to make the argument. I still put them as a one. I want to put them as the number one overall, but I still think they're a one. I mean, it's just hard to make uh, an argument for some of these other teams. Like, let's just say if Duke won the ACC, Duke was a three seed in in the ACC, and they're going to be a one seed now. Like, it's it's a hard thing because you don't want to fault Gonzaga for the conference they're in. They took care of their business. Yeah, they had an ugly loss to end it. I mean, if they lost to the buzzer to St. Mary's, would people feel better about it? I mean, they still lost. But I think Gonzaga's got to be one of the top four teams in the country, regardless of what happened. They still should be a one seed. Yeah, look at the strength of schedule out of conference, too. I know it was a while ago, but strong, strong resume for Gonzaga. There'll be a two at the worst, and we'll wait till Sunday night and Selection Sunday uh, to find all of this out. All right, a couple of other subjects. I'll touch on this a couple of times in the podcast. We don't know how effective Zion Williamson is going to try to play for Duke as they play Friday after the double bye in the ACC tournament in Charlotte. They are slated, the highest-seeded team is Syracuse to play Syracuse. We don't know who Duke's going to play at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday. But Zion Williamson, this is an unknown. This is a mystery as to how effective he can be, how long he can play. Kevin, how does that affect how you look at Duke? And what do you think that they might be able to do in what is a very tough ACC with Virginia and North Carolina and Virginia Tech lurking? And I mentioned Syracuse and Florida State. Uh, what about Duke and, and this whole situation? It's the biggest mystery we've seen in college basketball this year. We don't know how injured he is or if Duke just knows that they could have gotten through the final few regular season games, get through the ACC tournament, and rest him up and get ready for the NCAA tournament, just give him, I don't know, what was it, three weeks or so off? That I, I don't know, and then that's, that's what's so hard to, to predict about Duke that we don't know what Zion's condition is, that if Duke is just saying, all right, how, we have enough talent, let's see how far we can get in the ACC. If not, we're a two or three seed, so be it. You know, that, that I don't really think it matters, to be honest with you. I don't think if they're a two or three, it really makes that big of a difference because they're still good enough to go a few rounds in the NCAA tournament with or without him. So that's just hard, but as far as the ACC tournament goes, they did beat Virginia twice, so that that's going to be kind of interesting if they face them again. But still a lot of competition there. Virginia Tech beat Duke a few weeks ago. You know, if they were to draw them, Syracuse gave Duke some issues. So, 
yeah, I mean, it's just really up in the air right now without him. And Florida State, I know you're a knoll, maybe the most dangerous team that nobody's really talking an awful lot about in Charlotte here. Everybody's talking Virginia and Duke and North Carolina. And can Syracuse make a run? Or about it? what about Virginia Tech that's having to play a couple of extra games before they even get to the semifinals, quarterfinals and semifinals? We'll find out. We'll see how that all plays out uh, uh, coming up. Actually, the the Duke game um, in the uh, in the quarterfinal uh, in the semifinal round for the double bye would be Friday. But a lot of these teams are getting to play a couple of times maybe before they play those teams like Virginia or uh, North Carolina or Duke or Florida State. I know Tom Penders has thoughts on that. That a team playing early uh, in a tournament may have an advantage. Uh, because they, they get familiar with the court, they get familiar with the atmosphere, they play the game, they get in rhythm, and the other team is just sitting and waiting. So we'll hear from Tom Penders about that um, in a little bit. want to tell you that we're going to make a couple of different predictions. Obviously, we don't, we don't know the matchups well enough to keep this show uh, interesting for Thursday. We don't even know at the time we're talking right now who's playing, who all's playing on Thursday. So at the moment here, uh, we're at a loss for that. But what we've done the last... Three years on Three Dog Thursday, fourth year of the show, is something creative. I've charged Kevin with this. I'm going to do the same thing. Find a team that is not a one or a two seed that you believe can make the run to the championship game, if not win the whole thing, with the understanding that in some of these conferences, the the, the teams that are three or four seeds still get a double buy, and it's easier for them. It's not the case in every tournament, but anyway, Kevin and I will each go over three teams that we like that are not a one or a two seed that could be in the title game, if not win the championship. And Kevin has pegged several conference tournament winners over the years. You had Seton Hall a couple of years ago as the Big East champion. I think they were like a five seed and ended up beating uh, Villanova in the title game. So that's what we're going to try to do as all of this um, unfolds. So with that being said, do you have a conference tournament that you want to begin with here across the landscape, ACC, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, Big East, American, Pac-12? Give me a tournament and a team that you think can make a run and why Kevin Rogers. Well, thank you for bringing up Seton Hall. That was a good uh, that was a good pick a few years ago. So we might as well start at Madison Square Garden with the Big East. And I'm not going with Seton Hall this time. I'm actually going with the team that they're facing in the opener, Georgetown. And Georgetown was very up and down throughout Big East play. And Seton Hall at the end, they had a great comeback win against Marquette. They beat Villanova both at home. And Seton Hall really helped themselves as far as probably getting a, an at-large berth. Now, Seton Hall was not a very good team away from home in Big East play. They were great at home, but on the road, they weren't very good. One of the losses came at Georgetown in overtime, and Georgetown finished off the regular season winning at Marquette. A Marquette team has kind of fallen off after a pretty strong start, but I just look at Georgetown as a team that, you know, they, they split with Seton Hall in the regular season. They had some nice wins. They didn't, you know, they beat Villanova also at home. And if they were to beat Seton Hall, they would draw Marquette again, a team that they yep. know they can beat. So I just think that Georgetown, I, I try to avoid anybody on Villanova's side. So I just think that Georgetown, they're so erratic, but erratic can be good that they have a chance maybe at, at winning a few games and at least getting to the championship. And of course, St. John's 
uh, would be playing Marquette theoretically. Again, we don't know this depending on what happens with St. John's, and they floundered at the end, but they swept Marquette. Could they beat them three times? Who knows? The potential semifinal is Marquette and Georgetown. Let's see what happens in that one. But this is, Kevin, just another quick comment. This is a wide-open Big East tournament. I, I don't. That's not hyperbole. I don't know who's going to win this, and it would not surprise me if it's like St. John's as the seven seed against Creighton as the five seed in the championship game. It has been that wacky the last two or three weeks of the Big East regular season. It would not surprise me to see any one of about six or seven teams win this tournament. Do you agree with that? Uh, absolutely, because Villanova's not, and it's not a disrespect to them, but I mean, they're still the one seed, but Villanova just isn't steamrolling teams like they were the last few seasons, where it was just like an automatic they would get into the championship. That's not to say they couldn't get into the championship and lose, but you know, even DePaul was still a pretty competitive team, and they beat St. John's two times during the regular season. So even, even them with seven wins, you didn't have any dogs in the conference. That's what it was, is that it was competitive, and there was no one that stood out. There's also no one that was that was like an 0 and 18 or a 2 and 16 team. That everyone was pretty competitive. So, yeah, you really don't know what you're going to get there. All right. So you took Georgetown in the Big East. Uh, I will take a team here coming up in just a moment from another conference. First, though, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is going to be coming up. And whether you like filling out brackets, picking the national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all of the above, our friends at MyBookie, they're the perfect home for March Madness fun. We've been talking about Zion Williamson. Can he help Duke uh, not only in the ACC tournament this weekend, but make a run in the NCAA tournament? What will happen with Kentucky? Calipari's team looks like they're rounding into form. They've got the SEC tournament this weekend. Uh, will it be a Big Ten team that uh, that stands out like Michigan State or Michigan or Purdue on and on down the list? So if you think you have the answers or even if you don't, my bookie is the place to get in on the action. They've got something for everybody even if you have multiple NCAA tournament brackets. Go to my bookie and go uh, place your bets there through my bookie because the goal is to give you the best customer service that is out there uh, in the business uh, and they pay out fast by the way so if you're making your wagers through my bookie uh, going on this weekend for the conference tournaments you're going to get payouts in 48 hours or so and sometimes even less you can bet with the best kick back enjoy the conference tournaments enjoy march madness and right now a special offer from us kevin on three dog thursday if you use the promo code three dog you get a 50 percent sign up bonus so use the promo code three dog and they're going to match your your funding by 50 percent with a special offer at my bookie so with my bookie you play you win you get paid and remember that promo code three dog for all the march madness stuff all right so with that out of the way i will go with a tournament uh here and that is the sec tournament we got a big unknown uh involving lsu i want to talk to you about them here in a couple of moments but i i think that yes lsu is the one seed kentucky is the two seed it would be easy to look at tennessee and, and say okay take them to make a run when i said no number ones or no number twos I'm not going to go with them. I'm not going to go with Tennessee. I'm not going to go with South Carolina. I think the Auburn Tigers are a team to watch. They beat Tennessee in the regular season finale. Bruce Pearl has a lot of experience winning conference tournaments. Uh, Former coach at Tennessee. Former coach, um, obviously, also at at Milwaukee, at former Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Uh, something just says to me Auburn Tigers can make a run in the top half of the draw here where LSU is and can be in that championship game, if not win it, in Nashville. 
So I like Auburn uh, in this SEC tournament amongst the non-favorites to pull a surprise. Question to you. Again, this is an unknown for us, Kevin Rogers. LSU is the one seed, and deservedly so. Their coach, Will Wade, is suspended indefinitely by the school while this whole federal investigation into paying of players and Adidas and the federal indictments. Will Wade is allegedly on a wiretap that people have heard talking about paying a player or taking care of a player financially, so he's not coaching. We don't believe he's going to coach at all uh, this weekend in the SEC tournament. So without him there... How do you view LSU, especially if they lose early in this tournament? Uh, how do you view them if you're the selection committee? What do you think about all this, Kevin Rogers? Well, I mean, they're, they're obviously still going to go. I mean, it, it, here's the issue. It's kind of like you say, is he more of a distraction than not? Like Sean Miller, coach for Arizona last year with all the issues. They got bounced by Buffalo. I mean, a good Buffalo team in the first round. They just look terrible in that game, but, you know, is it better if the head coach isn't there that maybe there's less pressure, you know, to worry about him, you know, he doesn't have all that on him. Uh, it's a hard one. It really is because LSU had a really nice season and, you know, all this stuff comes out and it's unfortunate, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's a very hard thing to answer because I don't know if the team just packs it in because really it had nothing to do with the team, you know, with, with him trying to pay someone off. Like the players are still going to try to, you know, they're still going to try to win even with or without their coach. Well, and again, they've had a couple of injuries. They got the huge win at the end of the year at Florida. Will Wade was coaching that game. They suspended him for the finale with Vanderbilt, who's terrible, which they won. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. Bernard Muir, the head of the selection committee, gave kind of the generic blanket answer that we will evaluate them on a performance basis with him and without him. And so, in other words, if they lay an egg in their opening SEC tournament game later this week, LSU, and you may know, you may already know this listening to us, that they lost in the opening round or they won impressively, but if they lay an egg, the NCAA selection committee may look at that and say, hey, with Will Wade not there as the coach, LSU's not a two seed, let's say. Let's drop them down to a three. Or they're not a three seed, let's drop them down to a four. I can't believe they would be any worse right now than a two or three seed as the SEC regular season champs. But they could get dropped. If they are bad in this first performance in the SEC tournament in Nashville, LSU we're talking about, they might get dropped down a seed line because of this, Kevin. One more, real quick. What else? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could happen. But, uh, but really, again, you know, I don't think there's a huge difference from one to three. So I don't think there's a huge difference from four to five. You know, I mean, it's not going from a four to an eight. You know, so I, I still think they're a very good team, and, and you can't, you know, you can't kill them for, um, you know, for the coach being out. I mean, if they were to lose to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament, then you'd say, wow, this is really bad. But uh, besides that, if they lose to a good team in the SEC tournament, then so be it. And it's a game, not their whole resume throughout the season. They got out of conference wins too, LSU, back in the in the pre-conference. We'll see how it goes. Kevin, stand by. When we get back, we're going to talk an awful lot about the conference tournament play, championship week, and much more. Matt Zemek will be stopping by once again with Free Throw Awareness Month, the hashtag FT Awareness Month, who's making those free throws already in conference tournaments, who not doing it so well. We'll tell you more about that product. The coach, Tom Penders, will also be with us, who took four different programs to the NCAA tournament, including an Elite Eight with the Texas Longhorns, a Sweet 16 as well with the Rhode Island Rams, and most recently was in the tournament with the Houston Cougars back in 2010. Look forward to Coach Penders' insight, his uh, top seeds, and much more headed into this weekend. Uh, that and the Northern Kentucky coach, John Brannon, off his team's automatic bid Tuesday night in the Horizon league all of that still to come kevin rejoining me later it's three dog thursday stay with us
Here he is. He's back with me again because it is Conference Tournament Championship Week. March Madness looming with the 2019 NCAA Tournament. And Matt Zimmick is all over it as part of CBBToday.com. But more importantly, Matt has been preaching this for weeks. Free Throw Awareness Month is here. The hashtag FT Awareness Month uh, is, is flowing. And now here we go with the blur of dozens and dozens and dozens of conference tournament championships. It's almost too many games to keep up with all the free throws. How you doing? I'm doing well. And it does need to be said for our listening audience, TJ, that the Thursday and the Friday of conference tournament week you know, not the NCAA tournament and not the small conference tournaments, but this week, the power conference tournaments, Thursday and Friday of this week are really, in my mind, the two most underrated sports days of the whole year because you have all those quarterfinals and all those second-round games, and so many of them are bubble games and so many of them are seeding games. Uh, it really are, are two incredible sports days that the smallest number of Americans talk about. So... Two really special days, this Thursday and Friday of, of Championship Week. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch all of this unfold. All right, so we already have a couple of examples of where foul shooting has been an issue. You have one from the ACC tournament. Again, at the time we're taping here for this segment on Three Dog Thursday, we don't know the rest of the ACC tournament. You may know how it's already played out Thursday, Friday. Matt and I don't know that. But you already had a, a glaring free throw example late in the ACC tournament. Yeah, so on Wednesday in the 8-versus-9 game, the game that uh, is likely regarded as a play-out game, the loser definitely to the NIT, the winner with a decent chance of getting into the NCAA tournament. And at the time that we record this podcast, you know, North Carolina State will have already played Virginia in the early ACC quarterfinal on Thursday. So if North Carolina State did, in fact, win that game, we don't know at the time of the recording, but if NC State won, NC State safely in. If NC State loses to Virginia, it has a long wait on Selection Sunday, but ha- still has a chance. Clemson, though, is definitely going to the NIT after North Carolina State won by a point, and we had a classic free throw awareness month situation with Markel <laughs> Johnson, North Carolina State, fouled with 2.6 seconds left, down by one, two shots, swish, swish. And so, whereas free throws can sometimes destroy a family, uh, we have a a lot of happy families in Raleigh, North Carolina, at least least for the 24-hour period uh, leading up to that Virginia game, you know, pending the outcome. And we have a lot of sad families in Clemson. But uh, Markel Johnson provided for his family by knocking down those two foul shots. A couple of big ones. Uh, Again, as part of Free Throw Awareness Month and the hashtag FT Awareness Month, I was at the Horizon League tournament where on Monday night it looked like the Oakland University Grizzlies, the northern suburb of Detroit, were going to pull the upset against the two-seed Northern Kentucky. And the Oakland player went to the line in the final uh, nine seconds of the game and buried the two go-ahead free throws only to have Drew McDonald, the the Horizon Horizon Player of the Year make the three-pointer with one second left to win the game by one. So the Grizzlies did their part on Free Throw Awareness Month to, to get the lead. They just didn't guard McDonald on the three uh, there at the end. And then, Matt, I worked the championship game on Tuesday night, 
and neither team shot the free throws very well. Northern Kentucky is the champs. They won the trophy. They were only 7 of 13 from the line, though. Not very good at the line. They made a bunch of three-pointers, 12 of them, but they missed some free throws. You better be better than that as part of Free Throw Awareness Month. The number one seed, Wright State, missed eight foul shots last night. At the time we're taping, 17 of 25. They weren't very good at the foul line. It's one of the reasons why they got they got beat. So, again, we're just preaching to the folks here when they watch these conference tournament games. We're going to be tweeting about it. We've got the hashtag FT Awareness Month. Look out for the free throws. Right, Matt? Well, and, you know, 17 of 25, that's 68%. So we can add another uh, slogan to Free Throw Awareness Month. If you shoot 68 from the line, you'll get 86 in the dance. (laughs) Friends don't let friends miss front ends and watch out for the front ends. I mean, we've got several teams, uh, whether it be Duke, that Indiana team is trying to make a run. Duke not very good at the foul line. Indiana not very good at the foul line. Let's just see how this starts to play out. Meanwhile, you've got... Uh, teams like Tennessee and Louisville that are good free throw shooting teams heading at Marquette, heading into the weekend. Let's see if they hit those foul shots. Plug away again one more time, Matt Zimmick, about Free Throw Awareness Month. Well, free throws can destroy a family. And, and again, that came from the governor, Bill Raftery, on March 17th, 2002, St. Patrick's Day. So Selection Sunday is March 17th. It's going to be the 17th anniversary of that statement, and it is the lead mantra for National Free Throw Awareness Month. And this is Matt Zemeck, the unofficial and unelected president of the American Free Throw Advisory Board. Oh, yeah. I love it. Listen, enjoy all the college uh, hoops, all the conference tournament games, as we've got all these different underdogs and all these different matchups that are going to be going on. And let's see if we make some foul shots. Matt Zemeck from CBBToday.com will be reading you there as well. And the hashtag FT Awareness Month. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, TJ, as always. A reminder, Three Dog Thursday being brought to you in March, in part, by MyBookie. Just keep in mind that if you're looking to place your bets, you want to do so with MyBookie. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. All the conference tournament action, enjoy the March Madness, and with MyBookie, use the promo code 3DOG for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's the promo code 3DOG. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And remember that promo code 3DOG. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? 3DOG Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Yes, indeed. It is March, and this is one of my faves to go to whenever we talk March because he was in the NCAA tournament not once, not twice, not three times. Four times Tom Penders took a team, a different team, to the NCAA tournament, including most recently the Houston Cougars. And we're going to come around to the Houston Cougars here in this conversation in a bit. Had them in the NCAA tournament in 2010. Longtime coach that won over 600 games in his NCAA career, and he's with me now as part of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Coach, thank you. It has been a while since we have caught up, but it is our time of the year. It is the month of March. I know you're excited. We're excited. Here, here we go. We got a blur of games with conference tournaments, and then we got the NCAA tournament. How are you? I'm doing great, TJ, and I've been following college basketball all season and and doing some some interviews about you know this this upcoming conference tournament week and uh, who's going to make it in the tournament. 
it is an exciting week with a lot of, you know, bids up. Uh, you know, who's going to come out of this week uh, as a surprise? Who gets hot and wins a tournament that's not expected to? And who's going to go to another tournament because of what happens this week? It's a... Uh, it's crazy. I've been on both sides of that. So let's let it roll. There are some teams, doesn't matter what they do this week. There are other teams, it matters a lot, in my opinion, because there's such a uh, logjam at the top of, of all these conferences. You've got some conferences like the Big East, and they're still saying, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> five or six easily and this and some teams have lost four or five in a row, and they're, and they're in my opinion, very marginal. Uh, but the NCAA committee now does. Uh, this is a new system now. Uh, it seems like every three or four years they change their method of picking teams. So that's up for grabs, too. What is this new rating system going to be? No, no more RPIs. Right. Uh, now it's – I just – you know, let's just call it uh, a lottery type system. I have no idea, and a lot of people that are experts <laughs> have no idea how this form works and where they get all their information. They like to keep some of this stuff secret so they can say, well, if we look over here to this new formula, this team shouldn't have gotten in, but this other formula over here says they're a lock, and uh, oh, it's crazy. And as as usual, uh, there aren't enough people that really know basketball on the committee, and and until they change that and you know bring in coaches that have been out of the sport, uh, no, I, I don't want to do it. But there are a lot of really good coaches that that care about the game that that should be involved at least on an advisory basis uh, for different regions and parts of the country because. You know, you get a bunch of athletic directors, and if, if, if these people are good athletic directors, they're focused on a lot of sports. And, and to ask them to leave their universities uh, and sit in the hotel all week and go through all this information and pick teams uh, and coaches' careers are at stake, uh, athletic directors, and maybe even college presidents, the way it looks and today's world of with the scandalous situations across the country affecting the game who's going to get in the performance of some of those teams this year the ones that were leaked out and uh, and some of these trials that have gone on uh they've had all but one or two of the rumored schools have had terrible years so you wonder if it's already affected this field i think it has Sure, no doubt uh, that there's controversy all around. Um, you know, you're you're mentioning about teams making a run and playing their way in. At the time we're talking, we're coming off the St. Mary's upset of Gonzaga. So I got two avenues I want to travel about that upset. There's a prime example of it. St. Mary's, not an NCAA tournament at-large resume, yet this past weekend and Monday and Tuesday night, they have played their way in and gotten the automatic bid 
just say something about that. And the other and the other facet, they held Gonzaga to forty seven points. Coach Gonzaga averaging ninety points a game in West Coast Conference play, scored only forty seven points, and St. Mary's played their way in. So, question one: How impressed were you with what St. Mary's did Tuesday night in Vegas? I thought it was incredible. Uh, you know, Coach Bennett uh, has done an amazing job out there at St. Mary's, you know, recruiting over in Australia and New Zealand and, you know, bringing in guys that, uh, you know, don't even have a feel for college basketball. And in a little gym out in Moraga, California, which is, you know, north of San Francisco, somewhere up in the mountains, I've never been there, but I've heard about the trick to get to St. Mary's, but now that, that is a, what can happen first, you know, Gonzaga, I think for Gonzaga, it'll help them. It takes a little pressure off them going into the tournament, you know, time to start a new streak. Uh, the kids will loosen up. Maybe they'll get a little ticked off and, and angry for that first round game because they've had some problems in the tournament. Uh, they did make the final four, uh, last year and, and, uh, wasn't last year or the year before? Two years ago, correct. You know, two years ago. Two yes. years ago, right. Well, you know, so that kind of took the, uh, you know, the piano player and the piano off, off Coach Fuse back. Uh, but I think, you know, deep down, I always felt this way. And I had some teams that, you know, came into the tournament on a streak. And, you know, we didn't go as far as I thought we should because we had a target on our back for so long during the season and it just takes one subpar performance and you're home just like that. And I know how that is. You're trying to get them, get them down, get them back for the tournament, get them together, get them focused. Um, maybe, maybe in conference play, some of these teams, you know, haven't had a close game all year. I can't remember Gonzaga having a, any kind of a performance like this, which is highly unusual, but they could get away with it in the West Coast Conference uh, and not lose. Uh, but Ra- Randy Bennett's been around a while. He knows Mark Few. And here's a warning for for all fans that like to read into these things. You know, this conference play, and, and Randy Bennett knows Mark Few, and he knows what he's going to do. He knows their offense, and probably his players know exactly what they want to run, and they take them out of one or two things. And then, you know, one guy's cold, and and St. Mary's is hot, and then the lid's on the basket. Just look at last year's Virginia-Maryland-Baltimore County game. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Sure. And no, sure. never would, never could have predicted that. So... You know, it happens in college basketball. It happens every night in the NBA. You know, there are shocks. There are games where the worst team in the NBA knocks off the best team. You say, how can that happen? Well, basketball is a game of emotion, a game of five guys at a time working together to make your offense work, to make your defense work, and a coach who's who's got to counteract what the other guy's doing and make adjustments throughout the game. 
a voice of Tom Penders with me here talking March Madness and the conference tournaments this week, the 2019 NCAA tournament next week as we look forward to seeing what's going to happen with the field of 68 on Selection Sunday night. And and one thing we're curious about is the top seeds. So I'm curious about your top seeds. And as a follow-up on the Gonzaga question, did that one loss to a team that's not in the top 50 of the net, that new ranking you were making reference to, did that one loss in their final game, their final conference championship game, cost Gonzaga a number one seed in your mind? Who are your one seeds, and did it cost Gonzaga? What do you think, Coach? All depends on uh, what happens in these other tournaments. I mean, if, if North Carolina is on the bubble as a one, and they run through the ACC, I think they can bump Gonzaga out. I don't think the loss itself will knock them out, because the committee will just say, hey, it's based on the whole season of work. We don't pay much attention to conference tournaments with the top teams, the one and two seeds. We're not going to knock teams out. That's what they say at the end of this every year. Uh, they pick their excuse depending on the conference and the team. Uh, you never get a straight story out of the committee, and only one person speaks. I think the other people on the committee uh, take off and go to Fiji for about a month, so they don't have to answer. They don't have to answer anybody. All right, but fair, fair enough. Deal. So, so let's say ACC champ. Let's say if it's Virginia, North Carolina, or maybe even Duke with Zion Williamson. And we should say again to the audience at the time we're talking, we don't know how effective Zion Williamson is going to be, how long he can play. We don't know that till we see Duke on the weekend. But the ACC tournament champion is most likely a one, and maybe it's two of the ACC teams that are going to be ones. Would would you think that's close to being right, or you think it's only one ACC team, and then we're going to spread it out to an AC uh, to an SEC uh, title team to a Big Ten champion? Uh, might there be two from the ACC? Real quick. Yes, uh, and I've seen it before, and and you know the eye test. I'm a coach. I coached for almost 40 years, and I, I, you know, I have my favorites. And there's no way uh, that you can rule Duke out until they play with Zion. Let's see what they do. Um, but I'm also going to add that as a coach and uh, experience over the years, being a two seed is an advantage over being a one seed. When you're a one seed, your players are likely to say. Oh, we've got this thing wrapped up. We've got an automatic trip to the Elite Eight at least, and they get knocked off in the second round. It happens all the time uh, that way. The two seed, you can use the us against the world theory that we should be a one. We're not a, we're not a one, and if we get to play number one, uh, we're going to knock them off because in a fight, it's the angriest dog that usually wins. So. Uh, you know, there's so much motivation that can be used for, you know, advancing in the NCAA tournament. And coaches who are smart uh, use everything they can find for motivation. You want your kids in, in one of two moods. You want them either feeling uh, like they got hosed with their with their pick or their draw, or angry. You know, ticked off at the whole system and. No respect, the Rodney Dangerfield excuse, and it works because the kids, they look at the standings, they look at the rankings every week 
You know, in this social media era, there's nothing missed on the players. They know, and you can't keep them away from it. So you as a coach, you're challenged by it. Give me one that we're not talking enough about. Who do you who do you like that's not a Duke, a Kentucky, a Michigan State, a Kansas, a North Carolina? We're not talking enough about this team, and they could do damage not just this week, but in the NCAA tournament. Give me one. You got Wofford mm. from North Carolina. Radford from from the same conference, I believe. Uh, you know, right. those are two very good teams. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to go real far, but they're capable of knocking off anybody. And uh, I'll be. And I've looked at some of the other tournaments uh, so far, and I'm not seeing so far in what I've seen uh, a definite dark horse pick. But I've said all along that if I'm a coach, I don't want to see Buffalo in the first round nope. because they're not only they're not only talented, they're well coached and they're experienced. And they play a style of basketball that not many teams or coaches are playing this day and age. You know that they can they can get it to ninety real fast on you. They've had some halves where they've scored uh, sixty plus points. They're explosive. They've got kids that are playing with a chip on their shoulder, and I think I think they're a team that you know wouldn't surprise me if the, if they got to a Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight this year. They're that good. It's just, you know, we all fall in love with the games that are on TV, the conferences that are on television. Uh, The American Conference is the most overlooked conference in the country. You know, they were talking about they were a power six. They may be a power three conference this year because they have three teams. Uh, I I love the University of Houston. I love Kelvin Sampson's team. Uh, I'm very close with Calvin. He was a, a coaching friend. We're, we've been lifelong friends. I spoke to their team in the preseason. I watched every game they played on television. They're hungry. They're focused. And they might even be better off if they lose a the game in the, in the American playoffs because Kelvin Sampson's a master of motivation, and he's hungry. He's hungry <laughs> himself because of the way he went out uh, earlier in his career, you know, for telephones. Right. Calls for well, and, and, and the way they went out uh, of the tournament also in 2018, where it looked like they had Michigan yeah. beat and they give up the three point bomb on the long inbound that sends them home and lets the Wolverines move on in the NCAA tournament. So you talk about unfinished business. That may be the case with Houston. And again, we talk with the coach, Tom Penders, got the great book, Dead Coach Walking, all of his years on the sidelines at places like Texas and Rhode Island and George Washington. And you took that Houston program to the NCAA tournament on a weekend just like this one where your team was not in the big dance, but you pulled the upsets that you had to pull, including beating UTEP in the championship game to get the automatic bid. When you reflect on that back now nine years ago, what do you remember the most fondly about putting the Cougars back in the NCAA tournament with with a tournament run that you had to have to get the automatic bid, Coach? It was the only time. It was probably my weakest uh, Houston team in terms of experience, you know, guys back, uh, that type of thing. We had a lot of first-year players. We depended on, you know, freshmen like Samal Nixon and and uh, Bo McNeil was uh, a transfer, a JUCO transfer, and Adam Brown. Uh, the, we had a unit uh, that wasn't healthy all year. I mean, 
we played 31 regular season games. Uh, we were healthy for a few games, and we, we, you know, we did very well in the Alaska shootout. We knocked off a, a highly ranked Oklahoma team in a game where we were up by 20 with a couple of minutes left and, and ended up beating them by about 10. But then we, went, we lost guys, uh, Zamal Nixon to mono and broken hands here. Uh, uh, Washington, our big kid from, from Louisiana, who was uh, player of the year in Louisiana two years in a row, Kendrick Washington, Six seven two sixty, and you know one of the best interior players in the country. When healthy, had two broken legs, uh, two shins that were broken, and we discovered it early on uh, when we started running and conditioning the kids in in September. And he ends up finally getting into the rotation for our conference tournament. And we really breezed through the conference USA. We had two top 25 teams, uh, Memphis, uh, and Josh Pastor's first year there. We beat them in the tournament. Yep. We beat them two, two out of three times. One time, a, a huge blowout, the biggest loss that Memphis suffered in, in years, uh, at home. And then we beat them again in the tournament. They were ranked, I believe, number 24, and and UTEP was ranked number 21. They had an outstanding ball club, a veteran team, and everybody's picked to win it. Well, we beat them two out of three. So I felt we were the best team in, in that conference that particular year. I really did. But we never were healthy. You know, for me, a very good run. You know, I never had serious goals on coaching until I was 65. Uh, it's not a profession where you can plan longevity. Uh, it's year to year. And in some cases, some places I was at, it was week to week and month to month, not knowing <laughs> if you were going to be around the following year. Back in the handshake days of the 1970s. I love you it. You didn't get contracts. You know, you got a handshake. <laughs> that was it. And go try it to win some games. Work. Yep. Go try to yeah. win some games if you could, no doubt. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, you've experienced this, whether it be at Texas, you mentioned Southwest Conference Tournament Championships. Uh, I believe you also won a tournament championship with Rhode Island to get in the NCAA tournament. We mentioned the Houston one. For this weekend, when you get to go cut the nets down with your players as a conference tournament champion and know we are in, when the selection show starts on CBS, we know our name is going to pop up. What is all of that like, the euphoria, the excitement of celebrating, being handed a trophy, cutting the nets down, and knowing you're in? Because you've lived that, Tom Penders. Yeah, I I really didn't experience that type of feeling until my last year in 2010, and I described winning four yeah. games. So it never really happened. When we got into Texas, we expected to get it in no matter what we did in the conference play. Right. Uh, in 1997, my ninth year at Texas, I knew we were in because we played the second toughest schedule in the country, and and we only played 10 home games that year. The first year in the Big 12, they had two divisions, and we were declared champions of the Big 12 South. Kansas won the Big 12 North. We played each other in the South twice. We played the North 
uh, once. We were definitely the strongest division with the likes of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State with Eddie Sutton, the coach, Kelvin Sampson at Oklahoma. Uh, Texas Tech had just come off a Sweet 16 the year before. Uh, Baylor uh, had uh, Skinner, the 6'11 center, who was a high draft pick in the NBA, and they had 120 like three years in a row. So we, you know, we had the toughest end. You had a lot of weak sisters up in the north that came from the big, the big eight at that time, like Colorado. Um, you know, Iowa State was down. Uh, they, they only had like Colorado and uh, Nebraska. They had a lot of weak sisters in the north that year. So we actually, you know, it's not mentioned much. I've got. I've got all kinds of plaques and uh, a basketball with it all painted on it. Big 12 South champs in the first year of the Big 12. After being told we weren't good enough to compete in that league by some of the coaches from the Big 8, uh, that was sweet. That was sweet. We ended up going to my last Sweet 16, and we lost to Louisville, a great team that went on. I believe to go to the final four that year with Denny Crum as a coach. So, but that was every which way, meaning getting into tournaments. Some coaches, they find a place where they can roost for 20 to 30 years uh, at a basketball school. Um, you know, Roy Williams did more than rub the rock and spit in the river. He was extremely lucky to go as from Dean Smith's part time assistant to the head coaching job at Kansas but he was a good enough coach to win and win right away at Kansas, which sure. a lot of people wouldn't be able to do. So I credit Roy for that, but Kansas is the kind of place, once you get it going, it kind of goes on by itself. And, and you know, it's been that way ever since I started following basketball when they had Wilt Chamberlain back in the 50s when I was a little kid listening to college basketball on the radio. You imagine Wilt Chamberlain never played on national television. Uh, that's how. That's <laughs> different that's time, how right? Different time. Now, almost different every game, time. and the amazing thing is, that almost everything is on TV now. So it's mind-boggling to hear that. And, and back in the day for UCLA, almost, and you know this, almost none of the games in the regular season were on TV. It was not until the postseason that you got to see a lot of UCLA and John Wooden and all of those teams. It was it was truly a different time. Hey, I know you want to mention one more team. Big 12 tournament is uh, in Kansas City and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You've spent some time with Chris Beard's team. You have a long relationship with Chris Beard. Explain more about all of that and why we should keep an eye on the Red Raiders. Well, years ago, I uh, got a letter from Chris Beard. He was a junior college uh, player, and he wanted to walk on. Uh, his main reason was to become a coach. He wanted to be a college coach. Beautiful letter. And uh, so I invited him to come and work summer camp and maybe coach some of the younger kids. He was there for four weeks, and by the end of those four weeks, he was coaching the older kids. And we had some some great players coming to our camp. So, you know, he learned, and and he was was always in the film room. And he asked me to come out and help him evaluate his new team because, you know, he lost. Uh, eight out of his top 10 players and 90, 85% of his scoring from last year's Elite Eight team. 
uh, led by uh, uh, Keenan Evans and 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 a bunch of no names that became great players under his tutelage that Tubby Smith left him. Uh, you know, he took advantage of all, every player that Tubby, Tubby left behind. He didn't run anybody off like a lot of these uh, fools do when they take a new job. He embraced <laughs> the kids that were there. But, you know, it was, it was fun because, you know, he was seeing some of these guys, uh, you know, under the gun and ready to get into the season in November himself. And I just came in. I was a bump on the log, and I was at every meeting and breaking down film and, making suggestions, trying to decide what's the best offense and defense you can run. So it was a blast for me, and I got to know all the players. And by the end of the week, the, the kids were, you know, they, they didn't want to see me go, and I didn't want to leave because they're great kids. And uh, then he invited me and my wife, um, who he knew from his days at Texas. I made him a student assistant in his second year with me. I mean, he was, he was staffed. He dressed up for games. He was in charge of certain areas during games. And then in every way, you know, I've talked to coach Knight about hiring him because he was a junior college kid at Seminole college. I mean, a coach there, which is about 120 miles North of Oklahoma city. It takes a while to see it and find it, but, uh, that's the journey he took. He, you know, small junior college, then a Division two, and then Arkansas Little Rock. Yep. After, after uh, taking another. Team I, w- I was joking one. with you before we recorded this that I was at the Sun Belt tournament a couple of years ago, three years ago now, when Little Rock won the tournament. And, and Coach Chris Beard, a fiery one, ended up fracturing his hand. He admitted this. He fractured his hand at halftime of the game, <laughs> trying to fire his team up. Coached the second half with a fractured hand. They won the game. They won the automatic bid, the Little Rock team. And then, uh, and then Little Rock goes on to win an NCAA tournament game over Purdue. Won a double overtime game with Chris Beard, and it, and it helped catapult him to the Texas Tech job. So this is a guy that's tasted postseason success at both places, was in the Sweet 16 last year at Texas Tech. You're just saying, watch out for Chris Beard and the Red Raiders. Guns up, right, for the Red Raiders. Yes, I've watched them develop all year. I've seen almost every game they've played. Uh, they, they haven't peaked yet. They're playing great basketball. Uh, they do have an All-American candidate, Jared Culver, uh, but they've got an exceptional backcourt uh, in, in Matt Mooney and uh, the back from Moretti, Davide Moretti uh, from Italy has gotten better with each week and their plans to superb basketball. Moretti, I think, is the leading three-point shooter in the country, and he's been shooting at a 70% clip over the last eight games. And there's no reason why he won't continue because his father is a big-time coach over in Italy, after being on the Italian national team. Uh, he speaks fluent English. He's a very intelligent kid. He's the kind of guy who leads the team in charges, steals, and he's, a, he's become a leader. And as I talked with the kids during the year, I said, the only thing I see as a stumbling block for you guys is that you don't develop enough confidence. You've got to play with confidence to win in the Big 12. And then when you get to the tournament, 
you got to figure out a way one game at a time, but you've got to use, uh, you, you know, your newness, your, your youth, uh, as an advantage when you get to the tournament, because everybody's going to be talking about, how you'll never get to where last year's team. Hey, I know we've got to go here in a second. Tell the fans the book is dead coach walking that you did before. What else are you up to? I know retired life is good and watching a lot of hoops, but what else, Tom Penders? What else? Well, you know, I coached a lot of players in my 36 years as a head college coach. Unfortunately, you know, some of the players that played for me back in the early 70s have passed on, and that's always tough. And I, this year was a rough year for me in terms of burying favored players, you know, guys that stayed in touch with you all the way through. Uh, and that's just, uh, we buried another. Uh, he played for me in my first college job when I was 25 years old. He was my first recruit. His name was Leroy Charles who led us to the New England Hall of Fame, uh, my tough team. And he just suddenly died. Wow. That's probably the way to go. But he was 65. So that's been occupying too much of my time. But most of the time is just visiting former players. My son's a high school coach in Houston. I've spent a lot of time following his team. My nephew, Jim, is the head baseball coach at UConn. I spend a lot of time uh, with them. They play in Florida many, many times. I'm in Miami. Not a tough place to be. And I'm doing a lot of interviews and, and things like that. Uh, I also follow the Houston Rockets very closely for my friend Mike D'Antoni. And every now and then I send them a play or, or tell them what I think uh, is going wrong with his offense and those kind of things, because I stole everything in my last three years from his Phoenix Suns teams, uh, you know, with Steve Nash and uh, Stoudemire and that bunch. It's more than a passion of mine, college basketball. The product may not be quite as strong, but it's still a great product. You know, a lot of kids leaving early has, has kind of watered down the game a little bit, but not the enthusiasm and the effort that everybody loves about March Madness and the great coaches in the game, the old versus the young. And uh, secretively, Beard is the only young guy that I'm really rooting hard for. Uh, the rest of them are the rest of them are 65 and over. <laughs> yeah, look out for that. Uh, this guy again, four different teams in the NCAA tournament, 600 career wins, had an elite eight with Texas, had a couple of Sweet 16s with Texas, and also with Rhode Island was last in the tournament in 2010 when they, as he said earlier in the interview, won four games in four days to win the Conference USA tournament title at Houston, and the Cougars look to uh, be in, in great shape for the upcoming NCAA tournament. We'll see Tom Penders a treat. We got to run here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast i love talking basketball with you promise me that we get to do this again but thank you you're always there when i text when i call to come on the show and especially talk march thank you tom penders you're welcome Welcome back to our Motor City Madness coverage. T.J. Reeves along with Mark Wise, and we get the opportunity now to talk to the head coach of the victorious NKU Norse, 
Coach John Brennan, congratulations on this victory. He did the horse racing analysis. You broke from the opening gate. You led the whole way. Congrats, and you're going to the big dance. That's appropriate, isn't it, for being in Kentucky? <laughs> uh, yeah, we certainly did. We came out. Uh, we, we hadn't started that well in quite a while. Our guys had a laser focus about them. And what I liked about it is they didn't relent. Um, and there was there was never really a run. Uh, we, we, we stayed locked in defensively the entire time, took what they gave us offensively. Very, very difficult team not only to prepare for, but to play a 40-minute game against. I mean, they're really hard to beat. You have to beat them, and that's the first time we were able to really do that. I loved your ball movement, your ball reversal. You get 29 baskets from 22 assists. Was that part of the game plan? Yeah, because what happens is they force you. They're so good in their gaps and so good defensively. They force you to play a little bit one-on-one, and that's not what we're good at. We're a team that has to have a high assist. We're a top 15 assist to field goal made uh, program anyway, and uh, that's a large part to our personnel. So we wanted to get the ball side to side, and when we didn't, it showed, and uh, certainly tonight we did for most part. You know, March is such a great month for so many reasons. We had a March moment with the three from Drew McDonald last night that got you to this championship game. So your sky high last night was it a big challenge to refocus them regroup them hey we got another one tomorrow night it really wasn't you know we've we played for championships we won one two years ago drew was the leader of that team as well uh you know we went in last night it's three o'clock in the morning by the time they get to bed because we got late media and stuff so it really just turned into the next day very quickly so we really didn't have to talk about it we, i thought we used the emotional momentum of it to our advantage you need to keep them up to three o'clock in the morning <laughs> More often. That is the story of the moral of that yeah, story, right? Yeah, yeah, Mark, exactly. John, I wanted to say something about your defense, and I wanted to say um, how good it was in the first 10 minutes of the game especially. But I want to go back. You did this two years ago. Mm-hmm. What will you do different from maybe what you did two years ago with this NCAA experience yeah. now that you've been through it? It's a great question. I think anytime you've been through it now, it gives us an opportunity to treat the next round not as a gift, but more as an opportunity. And uh, – that's pretty much exactly what we're going to do. I know you got to go here. Uh, you get to sit back and, s- and just see your name on Sunday night. That's a great feeling. That's the fun part. To celebrate. We'll right? enjoy for the next enjoy few days. Enjoy it. Yeah. Thanks, Coach, Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. Coach John Brennan here with us from Northern Kentucky. Back in one more time here on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. Happy March. It is fantastic. Welcome to March. You're going to see so many games over the next few days of the conference tournaments and the first few days of the NCAA tournament in round one and round two that you're going to go, how did that happen? How did that team win that game? Not unlike what St. Mary's did upsetting Gonzaga on Tuesday night. Uh, a great a great performances that we've already seen in the smaller conferences. How about the Bradley Braves in the Missouri Valley, Kevin Rogers, as we bring you back in. Kevin, senior handicapper, writer, VegasInsider.com. Bradley down 18 in the second half of their game with Northern Iowa Sunday in the uh, Missouri Valley Final. They rally to win, and they're, they're in the NCAA tournament. They've been waiting almost a week to find out where they're headed on Selection Sunday night. It's just a great time of the year, and I, I guarantee you, out of this weekend, across the board in conference tournaments, there'll be at least one more or maybe two more teams that play their way in and get the automatic bid. It just makes this time of the year so great. Hey, Kevin, let me hit you with this. Have you had the opportunity to be at some of these big-time conference tournaments? If so, give me an example or two of where you've been in the atmosphere and the whole thing. Go ahead. I have been twice. I've been to the ACC tournament. This was back back in 2000 at the Charlotte Coliseum. I worked with the Florida State basketball team, and I was fortunate to to go. And it was just cool because there were just so many games. It's just so busy. 
which is great. And I also went when I worked in Kansas City at Old Temper Arena. Oh yeah, twelve in two thousand four. I two thousand. Was it 2004, 2005, one of those two years, because the other year they had the tournament there. But uh, it, it, it was fun. It's just, it's just fun because there's a revolving door of teams coming in. It's just action all day long, and it's just – it's really a lot of fun. So those are the – I've never been to the Garden for the Big East tournament. But as far as those two – actually, and I'll give you a third one, uh, just because I worked at with Florida A&M, I, the MEAC, I went to two of those tournaments, went to one at the Richmond Coliseum, and they got to the semifinals. Obviously, it's not as high profile as the other conferences. So I've been to three separate conference tournaments. Right. Well, and and it's uh, it's always fascinating for the guys that are the underdogs, which is our theme on Three Dog Thursday here, uh, that they get a chance to, in two or three days, make a run and get into the NCAA tournament winning games on the neutral floor. You mentioned legendary Kemper Arena in Kansas City. The Big 12 now playing at that new arena in Kansas City. And the ACC, by the way, back in Charlotte this weekend. Let's see what happens with Virginia and Carolina and Duke and Florida State and that whole mix. Can Syracuse or Florida uh, Florida State or Virginia Tech or somebody make a run in the ACC tournament in Charlotte? I've been to the Garden for the Big East tournament. How about this? Uh, the last Last time that Georgetown captured this thing, I was there uh, in the Big East tournament, and that would have been the 2007 Big East tournament uh, with John Thompson III as the coach, um, and they were victorious. Patrick Ewing's son played on that team uh, that year as well, and now Patrick Ewing, the coach, back with Georgetown as the coach in the Big East tournament the last couple of years, so... And you believe his team is going to be able to make a run. So it's a blast to be there. And I, I've been to some others uh, as well. SEC tournaments with Kentucky. I mean, you can't say this enough. They're in Nashville. Uh, it, it becomes Catville. Uh, they're in Nashville. They call it Catlanta for Atlanta. It's Catville in Nashville because that Bridgestone Arena downtown, Kevin, when Kentucky is playing in the semifinals of the championship game, all the Kentucky fans buy up all the tickets. And there's 15 if 17,000 out of the 18 to 20,000 fans in the arena are Kentucky fans. It's crazy. It's like Rupp Arena because of the proximity, the fact that Kentucky fans can't get their hands on tickets. It's crazy to be around that and, and watch that version of the blue and the damage they do. So it's fun to be around all these different conference tournaments. As I mentioned, we've already played the interview with John Brannon, who's the head coach of Northern Kentucky. The Norse, victorious in the Horizon League. I've had the privilege of doing the Horizon League championship the last uh, five seasons, including in Detroit the last four years. I'll be at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament title this weekend on TuneIn, doing live broadcasts on TuneIn for the Sunbelt that has Georgia State, UTA, University of Texas Arlington, uh, Georgia Southern, Louisiana Lafayette, those programs all playing in New Orleans, and we'll see how this plays out upcoming here uh, for the conference tournament. So I'm anxious to do those broadcasts on Saturday and Sunday on TuneIn. Let's get back to the underdog prediction, sir. That's what we're here. We're all about. You uh, you gave me one team under the criteria, non-one or two seed, to be able to make a run in the conference tournament, be in the championship game, if not win it. Give me another one that you like as these tournaments are unfolding for this weekend and why. Well, the Sprint Center in Kansas City, which is actually a really nice facility in downtown, I've never been there, but uh, I was only at, at Old Kemper Arena a long time ago. It's easy to take Kansas as a three seed, but uh, I'm not going that direction. I actually go with the five seed Iowa State. Now, Iowa State struggled towards the end of the season. They had a really nice start, and uh, they lost four or five down the stretch. However, though, this is a team that 
beat Kansas State, who was the champion of the regular season. They would face Kansas State potentially if they beat Baylor in the first round. Iowa State would take on Kansas State in the second round, and or I guess the semifinals or whatever it's called. And they also beaten Texas Tech. They also beaten Kansas. So they've beaten some of the good teams. They had problems with Baylor. So that, that's going to be a tough game out of the shoot. If they can beat Baylor, then, uh, you know, obviously that, that changes everything. But I just look at that Big 12. You know, we talk about Big East being wide open. The Big 12, I think, is open that Kansas can win as a three seed. I think that you have probably five teams that have a shot to win it in the, in, in the Big 12 out of the 10. But – I think it is. I think it's a very wide open thing. And Iowa State, who really didn't play well down the stretch, they have proven that they can beat the top teams. That if they could just escape past Baylor, I think they have a chance to win a few. Will be interesting to see what Kansas has. Of course, Tom Penders was talking a lot about Chris Beard and Texas Tech. Don't forget about the K State team. They were an Elite Eight team last year before Loyola Chicago knocked them off and kept them out of the Final Four. So that will be a wild tournament. Several of these will be wild tournaments. Uh, to watch and to unfold. I'm going to move over to the Big Ten here on Three Dog Thursday. We've been talking about Indiana uh, at the at the run-up to this tournament. They did sweep the two uh, easy games at the end of the regular season, so that is now four straight wins to end the year for Indiana. They have the 14 losses. In the modern era of the NCAA tournament since the field expanded to 64, no team has ever lost 15 games and gotten an at-large bid. So this would be a first time if Indiana loses once more and were to get in. You don't believe at this moment, and we don't know what's going to happen in the Big Ten tournament. We don't know what has happened at the time we're taking, but you don't believe Indiana has an at-large resume at the moment, right? They should not be in, correct, Kevin? I just, I mean, they have some good wins, but I just think that, you know, out of the uh, those Belmonts and those other teams, you know, right. the ones that, I mean, I think those teams should get should get the leg up over Indiana. Who, yeah, they beat Michigan State twice and they beat Wisconsin. I know they lost to Purdue at the end and they got squeezed in a few other games. But I mean, come on, like like what's the point of this tournament if you're just gonna if you're gonna nudge in all of the uh, you know seventh best team in, in right. a conference as opposed to a number one team in a different conference that lost two or three games. Okay, so Indiana's in the top part of the draw where they would play Michigan State. They play Ohio State first. They would play Michigan State coming on Thursday. Again, you may know the results. Indiana may have already lost. Kevin and I don't know that. Let me paint the hypothetical. And I painted this before, but I'm going to paint it again here. If they beat Michigan State in Thursday's quarterfinal and beat Wisconsin, let's say, in the semifinal. So now that would be a seven-game win streak. That would be five important wins, including two of them on the neutral floor in Chicago right before the selection show. Is that enough if they lose the championship game and lose the automatic bid for you to forgive 15 losses if somebody beats them in the championship game? Under that scenario, Kevin, what do you think? If they win like three more, yeah, I'd say they're in. Right now, I don't think so, but three more. Michigan State, they beat Michigan State three times. And who'd you say? Wisconsin Wisconsin would theoretically be the semifinal win, and they beat them earlier at home. Assuming they kept winning. Sure. I mean, yeah, if they win that many games, then you okay. could see it. I mean, they, they've proven their worth. All right. We'll find out. In that Big Ten tournament, I like the Michigan Wolverines as the three seed in our criteria in the bottom half of the draw. They're down there with Purdue. They've also got Iowa. They've got Minnesota. I, I like Michigan with a vengeance factor against Michigan. They just didn't play well in the second half of the Michigan State game last Saturday night in the finale. A lot of experience from the national championship team coming back. 
uh, on this um, uh, Michigan team with uh, with Livers and a couple of the other players, Jordan Poole, Brazikas, the big player from Canada that can that can shoot it. He's like a mini version of Mo Wagner from last year. I just like Michigan in this tournament. I have the last two or three years. Give me John Beeline's team to, to be in the title game as a three seed, if not win the whole thing out of the Big Ten tournament. And it would not surprise me if Indiana pulls an upset or two. Let's see if they do. Final moments of Three Dog Thursday. We each have one more tournament underdog, non one or two seed, a three seed or worse to make a run. Kevin, I'll give it to you one more time. Where do you want to go and why? I'm going to go to the American and I'm going to take a shot with UCF. That Ooh. They, yeah, they, um, they're they a tough team to figure out because they, they had some some dogs this year in, uh, in conference play, but also they had some nice wins and, you know, they beat Cincinnati, they beat Houston on the road. So, you know, they're a team that obviously can hang with the big boys of the conference and I, I just think and, you know they draw Houston in the in the second round or in the the, the second game whatever it is right and would be semifinals that, right 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 I, I think that they you know they gave Houston some problems that that they possibly could beat them and then obviously it's that point it's pretty wide open obviously Houston's the best team in that conference and we've seen what they did and they were able to beat Cincinnati a few times. I just think that the uh, the, the UCF that they can maybe give some of these teams problems and win a few games. Well, and UCF snapped Houston's uh, win streak. They had won, what, like 16 games in a row? It only had the one loss before UCF beat them a couple of weeks ago in Houston. Houston did bounce back and beat Cincinnati at Cincinnati to be the number one seed, but it's very interesting. That would be the possible matchup in the semifinals of the American tournament on Saturday. I'm going to stick with that same tournament, and you're going to call me a homer. Go Tigers, go. I like the Memphis Tigers of Penny Hardaway to maybe make a run on their home floor here. Nobody really nationally talking about Memphis, nor should they right now, but they're at home. They theoretically have a shot not only at UCF, but against Houston. They played well against Houston in a tough loss uh, earlier in the year at home. This is on their home floor. I think the Tigers could be in the championship game. So many years, the Conference USA and now the American Conference Tournament have been held in Memphis, and it almost became like the John Calipari Invitational for a lot of years, trying to beat Memphis on their home floor. This is Penny Hardaway. This is Jeremiah Martin, outstanding left-handed guard. I, I like Memphis here with UCF. I'm going to go against you and maybe against Houston to be in the title game against somebody like Cincinnati or Temple. I'll also put this out there, the famous sequence where Darius Washington of Memphis missed the free throws at the end of the game with Louisville in the conference tournament championship game. That was on Memphis's home floor. I was right there courtside in that one, Kevin Rogers, while we talk about conference tournaments. Uh, Memphis had won three games in three nights. They were in the title game with Louisville, who was already in the tournament, the best team in the conference. Memphis came roaring back in the final minutes of the game. Uh, it had a chance to win the game on the last shot. They call the foul, and Darius Washington makes the first free throw to put them within one. First of three. The second free throw ties the game. The third free throw wins it, and he goes brick, brick, and they lose with no time left on the clock. They almost won four games in four nights on the home floor. That was 14 years ago. Am I getting that old? I can't believe it. But let's see what the Tigers can do in this American Conference Tournament on their home floor championship game 
on Sunday. So there you go. There are underdog predictions. I will uh, remind everybody of those in just a second. Right now, Kevin Rogers will remind you about all the great information, college basketball and otherwise, on VegasInsider.com. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, it's a really big week. We're keeping uh, everything updated uh, daily with all the matchups, the new matchups and the uh, major conferences. You can check out the ACC, the SEC, the Big East, the Big Ten. You can see all the Big 12. You can, you can check out all of the uh, write-ups every single morning for the uh, the new matchups of the day. Obviously, Thursday is going to be loaded as well as Friday. So keep an eye out for that. Then Sunday, we'll have the brackets out and we'll have all the information on all the matchups. And, uh, yeah, it's a very exciting time, uh, this March Madness. And, obviously, we still have NBA and NHL going on. But, uh, you know, the next few weeks will obviously be very devoted to uh, college basketball. And you can check us out on Twitter at TwitVI. Fantastic information. Follow him at VI Rogers uh, as well. It has been a bonker show for conference tournaments. Are we ready, Kevin Rogers, for over 100 games coming Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? It is going to be amazing to watch all of this unfold. Kevin likes Georgetown as kind of a dark horse Big East team. He likes Iowa State in the Big 12, non-one or two seeds. That's the criteria to make a run of the tournament title game or the championship outright. Uh, UCF is your team as the uh, as the four seed in the uh, in the American Conference. I like Memphis, not UCF in the American. I like Michigan in the Big Ten. I like Auburn as the five seed in the SEC to make a run as a real dark horse in that conference that has LSU and Kentucky and Tennessee. Let's see how it all plays out. Kevin Rogers, thank you. Enjoy all the games this weekend. We'll be reading you on VegasInsider.com. We look forward. Hey, the field of sixty eight will be set. When we talk again next week on Three Dog Thursday, we'll know who's in, who they're playing, and where, and when. I look forward to it, Kevin. Thank you. All right, TJ. Thank you. There is Kevin Rogers. And again, my thanks to Tom Penders, the old coach. Four different teams in the NCAA tournament. Also, we heard from John Brannon as well, the coach of the Northern Kentucky Norse. Great job by everybody involved as uh, as they've all come on the show and contributed. Enjoy the conference tournaments. we got to get out of here for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. The show comes automatically to you. Thank you to our friends at RadioInfluence.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games. Bye. This is a We've Seen That Quick Fix on Radio Influence. All right, anything else on the fun facts? I want to get to some Julia Roberts. I want to get to some Jason Alexander here on We've Seen That. What else? Let's anything? see what else good? we've got. I'm kind of on a, some scrolling through my notes here as we produce on the fly. Um, there was a funny one um, that Porsche did not want their car to be used in the movie, and that was originals between Porsche and Ferrari. And they both said no due to the uh, subject matter with the prostitutes. So that's how Lotus. What a different, yeah. What a different time period. And again, uh, look, I, I'm straight laced. I'm religious, and I'm not in favor uh, of prostitution by any stretch of the imagination. But could you imagine in the 2010s that a car dealer would not want to be part of a major motion picture involving big time Hollywood stars because of the the thought that oh, a prostitute is going to be featured in this movie uh, it's it's almost like the reverse now like oh that, that's it that's not that's not enough for us to be part of this movie you got to have the prostitute be beheaded or something like that for us to want to be for us to want right. to be in well, it it was just a different these time days we've seen that with tj reeves and jay betzel can be found on apple podcasts stitcher tune in radio google play and radioinfluence.com